Hello, hello. You are tuned in to a brand spanking new episode of Tide Pod. And today, y'all, I could not be more excited for the conversation that we are about to have because I feel like it is timely, it is relevant, and honestly, it's not even timely. It's well overdue. So we are joined today by Ms. Erica Corday, and she has dedicated her life to expanding how others interact with the world through really, truly powerful conversations. As an entrepreneur and certified coach, her work is focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, other words known as DEI, imperfect allyship and imposter syndrome. This work has taken her into so many communities and onto national stages as a speaker and an educator at noteworthy industry events like the Alt Summit, She Podcast Live and Being Boss. I think that this is the type of conversation that really should be had proactively, but to be honest, we're kind of reactive creatures nine times out of 10. So we're going to have this conversation today because there has just been a lot happening within the online community, within other industries. And I think it's really, really powerful for us to hopefully proactively have a conversation around what it actually looks like to incorporate intentional DEI work into our companies and think through what our policy strategy, like, and I'm not just talking PR, y'all. Let me be clear about that. Me and Erica are going to get into that because PR is important. That's a whole nother thing. Can we like avoid some of these issues as well? Sorry, off of my uh, high horse on that one. <laughs> But I'm really, really excited because Erica is here just to shed all of the light and give us some real tangible information and things that we can think about as business owners who operate in a very imperfect world, like it is what it is. So go ahead. I feel like this is the type of episode you definitely need that notebook. So grab your notebook or if you're taking notes on your iPad, get that out too, because we are about to dive in. Hello, my friend, it's Tiana Tai, Team Dynamics Consultant and trained industrial organizational psychologist, helping you to become a better leader than your last boss. And right now you are tuning in to the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs building and leading teams, hiring, onboarding, management, or maybe you just want some general advice about building your business. Well, let me assure you, you are in the right place. So go ahead, crack open a fresh notebook because you are listening to Tipod. I've got to take just a quick second to ask you for a serious bit of support. Tipod would not be possible without your reviews, your comments, and just all of the positive feedback that we've been receiving so far. So if you haven't already, please go on, hit subscribe to make sure you're not missing out on any of this good and free content, and also be sure to leave a review. You may think that I'm not looking at them, but I swear to you, my friend, I read every single review and it just makes my heart so happy. So if you haven't already done so, Hit pause, leave a review, and then let's get back to the goodness. All right, Miss Erica, thank you so much for being here. I would love for you to just like take the mic and introduce yourself. I can do that. Thank you so much for having me, Tiana. I am extremely excited to be here and talk about this because this is a huge part of what I do as a diversity, equity, and inclusion coach. So often when we think about team, there are these disconnects of what do we do in case something goes wrong? And before you can even do that, it's like, 
do you know what matters to you? Do you know what your values are? Do you know how you react and why? Because this is what you're in support of and what you're against. And so I feel like when I do work with people, whether it's one-on-one or within you know, our community, Pause on the Play, we're able to actually stop and get business owners and entrepreneurs to understand that you need to be proactive, but you need to know the why. You can't get into any of these things unless you begin to understand, yes, this is what fuels me. This is what I'm completely against. This is the, the lens through which I look at my business you know, on every aspect. And I feel like what's happening and what you want to dig into, which yes, thank you, because it needs to be talked about, but it's such a cornerstone of the way that I do my work because it's like, you out here trying to do stuff. It's like, why? For who? What? I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Like there's no purpose. And so your team doesn't know. So how does, like, there's a huge disconnect. Really, really big disconnect. And I don't know if this is true. I'd love to hear your perspective on it. But I find, again, I said earlier, I feel like a lot of us just operate kind of from a reactive stance, nine times out of 10. And I feel like these sorts of conversations, unfortunately, become popular when things happen within our own industries, when we're seeing big thought leaders, people with massive influence making missteps or mistakes, like that's when these things start to come up again. And I think that that's a disservice to the work. I'm just curious if you have a perspective on that. You are 100% accurate because last June I had, I don't know how many people on a (laughs) daily basis, please help me. I'm sure. Oh, now now you recognize that you need the help. And the sweet spot that I found was really helpful was when people would come months after and they're like, I processed, I did my own work. I saw Mm -hmm. what needed to be done. I didn't put urgency on you or anyone else that does this work that I need to be fixed now, even though the day before it wasn't that important. And they said, I do want to work on how to be proactive, how to be clear on what matters. And there's just, there's absolutely no reason to wait and to assume that you're not going to need this because the unfortunate truth is things happen all the time. And so if you think, oh, it won't happen again, I won't have to worry about it, you will. And so if you pause and prioritize getting it done, you don't have to get stuck in this scramble of like, oh my God, now what do I do? Because the bottom dropped out and now you're frantic and now everybody else has to pick up your frantic energy around it. I love that. And I love that you mentioned the sweet spot of people who are trying to take some time on their own process before they're bringing it up with like so much urgency. And I found, I don't know, even just in my personal life and like speaking with some of my colleagues and my friends, particularly women of color, which is a whole different conversation where when things happen, a lot of us are just like, especially on Instagram and in the online community, we're very much like, excuse me while I pause. Like, please don't expect me to like show up as a thought leader in some capacity and have all of these emotions that I want to share. If I want to share them well within my power, but if I do not, please respect me just being silent on this for a little while because I'm processing internally. And I feel like that's what it's all, it's funny because sometimes we shame that. And I feel like we do, we do tend to shame when people don't have an instantaneous reaction or stand up or apologize or what have you. But there is a little bit of a beauty to doing some of that work on your own and then bringing it forth to find the resources that you need to support you. So that was an aside, but I'm curious because 
a little while ago, you mentioned some of those foundational things, like you need to know what you do stand for, what your values are. Can you speak a little bit more um, and give people some things that they can like even think about doing like journaling or something that they can do right now in regards to doing some of that preliminary work before they reach out to an expert like you to actually think through what is my policy like from a company perspective? So one of the first things that comes up for me, and I had a podcast, I don't know, I don't know it was either earlier this year or last year. Mm-hmm. And I talked about the fact that when you decide that you want to work with somebody that does um, diversity, equity, and inclusion work, team building, um, anti-racism, any of these things, I think that you first need to have a certain level of awareness of how you learn best. And so do you do best in a group with other people, large group or small group? Do you need one-on-one? Do you need to be given some things to go off and do on your own and come back and have that accountability and touch point? So part of it is just the fact that I think people need to acknowledge how they take in information and how they're best in action. Because there's some places where everybody gets dumped into one specific type of pool, but the outcomes aren't going to be the same. And so if you have somebody who their energy is a little more sensitive. And so to put them in a room where they're absorbing everybody else's stuff, they're not going to get what they need. And so I feel like acknowledging who you are and how you best learn and how you best interact needs to come first. And then you need to be able to say, this is where I am. This is what I feel like I need. This is where I'd like to go. And you are the expert. So can you give me insight as to whether or not this makes makes any sense and if you are the best fit to be able to help me do this there's a level of intention in what you just said right and a level of again I hate to keep using the same word over and over again but pausing and not being reactive and actually thinking through what it is that we need as individuals let alone what is it that our company needs I love that Mm -hmm. It's a very, uh, that's why I love the guests that come on Tidepod because I feel like y'all come in with the right energy and I don't know, I'm going off on the side here, but I'm like, okay, I attract the right people to this community because y'all give the realistic responses. Like, I don't know, some the, the philosophical diet, it's all really inspiring and valuable and whatnot, but sometimes the actual work is very simple work. You just have to prioritize doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about some of that work, ma'am, because one of the mm-hmm. conversations that we had about she who shall not be named is um, figuring out what you're supposed to do as a CEO, as a leader, when somebody in your company, like a team member, or even yourself crosses a boundary, does something that's harmful to some sort of community and is now faced with kind of the outcry, the public response and all of that. I'm just curious around like, your perspective for one company policy, but then two, how do we speak out as the CEO when our team members are engaging in some not so good behaviors, you know? Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind for me as a company and as an individual within a larger entity Mm -hmm. is STFU is free. Stop talking. (laughs) Stop talking. I'm here for it. (laughs) Because when you immediately get defensive, you double down. That's not what I meant. You misunderstood. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. None of those things. 
Start by not talking because there's no good that is going to come when you show up reactively, emotion-filled, and simply trying to clear your name. Nothing good is going to come of that. So the first step is to stop talking. It is free. STFU is free. All of it is free. Please take it. And at that point, there needs to be that place of, okay, we have values. We have taken time to figure out what our internal values are, what our forward facing going like, you know, how you market, what's on the outside, what people see. We figured out what that is, what happened, what did it violate? And once you figure that out, it's like, okay, this is the damage that was caused. Let's be able to decide what do we need to say? How do you make it succinct and to the point being wordy and trying to absolve yourself or constantly keep going is not helpful. So take some time. If you need to get PR support around that, get help. Because I do think that as the person that maybe is involved in it or that actually maybe had the transgression, you're not going to be the most objective. So there needs to kind of be some outside support with that. But I feel like you have a hard time being able to make a statement or figure out what's next if you don't know what the offense was, why it was defensive, what needs to be done differently. And you know, trying to figure out how do you redirect? Because I see so many people that it's like, you're, you're upset because I'm upset with you, but you don't even understand what you did. <laughs> and you're more worried about cleaning up the mess than being like, I messed that up. Yeah. And I'm willing to figure it out. I'm willing to listen if you want to talk. And I'm going to stop and listen because that's not happening enough. And I'm going to figure out how I can do better. And I will take the ownership of what needs to happen. I'm not going to outsource it to you. I'm not going to outsource it to somebody else. I'm not going to shift blame, but I'm going to start by being quiet. Then I'm going to say, okay, what did I violate? Who did I harm? How can I make amends? And how can I make sure that any apologies that are made come from, I caused harm. I was wrong. I apologize. I will go off and do my work and do better. I am listening. Mm -hmm. It What just popped in my head, a lot of things just popped in my head. So I'll probably circle back. But the immediate response that I have to that, it reminds me of just personal relationships, right? Like when you're arguing with your partner and when you don't see what it is that you did wrong, but you just want to hold on to the fact that I didn't do anything wrong because I don't see what it is that you think that I did wrong. I don't know I, what you think, but I didn't do anything. I didn't do it. Whatever it is that you think, it wasn't me. Those right. are the fights that uh, make you go to bed angry. You know what I'm saying? Like those are those such, they're just such, un, as someone who's been married for a few years, they're such unproductive arguments. Very much that so. stance that you're in. So that's immediately where my mind went. But then, especially again, she who must not be named, like if you're talking about a thought leader, a public facing figure, you as the CEO of your company, I'm sure you have some degree of influence. We all do. We all have some degree of influence. It's not just you and one person now, nine times out of 10, when things become topics of conversation, it's because it was harmful to a community, to a number of people. So now you're in that like weird cage match of, I don't know what I did, but I'm not wrong though, with thousands of people that that's the image that just went through my mind and I was like that's bad 
<laughs> right. And I don't wish that on anybody uh-uh. because it is a it is it is a rough place to be. And I don't say that because I am giving that person or anyone else that has such um behavior. Um, like I don't feel bad for you. However, mm-hmm. I understand that it's a challenging place to be. And oh, it yeah. is easier to navigate it if you stop and say, I don't understand, which means I need to stop talking. Mm-hmm. Listen, because you're not, if this is not your point of reference. If you don't give yourself that opportunity to reconsider your normal and the fact that it's not the only normal, then there is no space to understand that what you think was okay might not have been okay to somebody else. Come on, mic drop moment. Come come on, mic drop moment. Oh, so good. So I'm really, really curious then because, okay, I'll, I, did, I did do a live um, when one of the many y'all, I don't know when you're listening to this, there are all, there's always something going on. So you could just extrapolate this to whatever the current situation is. But I remember I did a live and I was really just talking about the shifting the blame aspect of this whole fiasco, right? So that's where my topic was focused because I was talking about teams, taking accountability for what our people do because we are the people responsible for our people. You know what I'm saying? And one of the things that came out of that conversation is we were talking about the difference in more of a enterprise corporate entity, right? Where they have policies, they have a paper trail, hopefully, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and utilizing their resources responsibly, they have a trail of trainings and speaking events and all sorts of things that demonstrate that this has been something that my company has invested in. This is something that my company stands against. So. So whenever something like that happened, it was an easier, I feel like, path for them to say, this employee did this, and that is completely counter to what we believe in, right? Right. And a lot of that was rooted in the fact that, and I won't get into the conversation around how some of it is just kind of check with the box. That's a whole nother topic. But it did give them more of a ability to say, this employee did this, we stand against this, here's why, here's some proof, this employee is now fired or has to attend this course or has to do this Mm -hmm. or has to do that or what have you. And I feel like so often, especially because we're talking to a community of entrepreneurs here, when small businesses find themselves in these sticky situations that have just happened because it's real life, it becomes really detrimental, particularly because one, if they're defensive, like you said, that's not good. But two, even if they want to hold someone on their team accountable, that can get messy too, because it becomes clear that me as the CEO of my company, I haven't done the work actually. (laughs) And whether the team member wanted to call me out on it or the community wanted to call me out on it and say, hey, very clearly you did not train this person on X, Y, and Z it's still really harmful. So I'm curious to have a conversation around trying to make sure that just because these things like hit the headlines and become big conversations in our communities, how do we actually make sure that we are embedding a culture of of employees, of team members, of us as CEOs that actually values and invests in serious DEI work to make sure that again, it's like a, it's a value within us, not just something we're paying lip service to because it's the popular topic of the month. So thank you for saying that because so often people look at DEI as a thing you do. I don't look at it as a side thing you do. It is the way through which you do all things. It is the lens that 
everything goes through. It is not something that you can turn off or put to the side when the budget does not allow. And so if you get clear on your values and let's take inclusion very often, and here's the other side, people see me coming and they're like, oh, if I don't put diversity, equity, or inclusion, is she going to come for me? No, you need to be honest. I'm not here to judge you for it, but I am here to hold you accountable if you're not going deep enough and you just want to stick to the surface. That's what we're not going to do. And so when somebody says inclusion matters and I'm like, okay, so then who are you including? And inclusion does not mean including everyone. Inclusion means including those that want to be included, doing things that make sure that what they need are in place, that it's safe, that it's equitable. And so if you say, okay, inclusion matters, then you need to go back and look at your hiring practices. You need to look at your onboarding. You need to look at your company culture. You need to look at quarterly reviews. You need to look at whether or not people can give feedback and how that feedback is given and then what happens when they give it. You need to make sure that people have a space to ask for what they need and to feel confident that those needs will be met. And you also have to make sure that you're not making promises that you can't keep. Because that does not support values because it basically says, I'm going to tell you what I think you need to hear and I'm not going to actually do what I said I was going to do. And so if you say something matters through the DEI lens, because everything needs to come through it already, and you embed it into everything else you do, it makes it simpler to figure out, well, what's next? What needs to happen when this particular incident comes up? What happens to create training to preempt these things? What happens, like we've had clients to where it's like, we put these things in place and it makes it so much easier so that if somebody in our program gets out, of, let's just say gets out of line, I'll keep it broad, then we know what to do. And you have someone that comes in and somehow they have hate speech. Well, if we have done our due diligence, then we have something that states what is not accepted here Hate speech is in here. It acknowledges that it is something that talks about anyone in a derogatory manner about their race, gender, ethnicity, size, age, socioeconomic status, immigration status, dot, 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 whatever those things are. And this is what happens next. So when you figure those things out, you have your if this, then that, then it's easier to be able to navigate challenging situations in a more expedient manner because the problem comes in when you don't and then you're sitting in it. You got to stew in it. And people are like, oh, I've been in this for too long. Yes, because if we had done the work on the front end when we weren't emotionally attached to this and we would have had less, you know, reactive energy, then now it could have just been great. You violated this, you're out, done. I have to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Primally Pure. Y'all, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I've tried a lot of natural deodorants and my husband disapproves of 99.9% of them, but not my new Primally Pure Charcoal Deodorant. I have been so excited to share this with you because I have been testing it myself for three full months before I decided that it was worth sharing. This is absolutely my hands down favorite natural deodorant and I've tried at least five or six brands by now. And even better, it can be your new favorite too. You can get your next order for 10% off by using the code TIANA10. That's right, T-I-A-N-N-A-1-0, and you're on your way to your new favorite deodorant. And hopefully your significant other will approve of this one. (laughs) 
I think that's such a good point because I was just talking to someone else and we were just talking about the reality of, you know, having a team, being a coach, having all these clients and that sort of thing. And we were discussing that, yes, sometimes there are things that we can develop proactively, but a lot of times, if we're just being honest with ourselves, there are certain situations, I don't know, um, a client is upset about some payment policy, for example, Mm -hmm. and you didn't necessarily think that through and it's not that big of a deal, so you can handle it reactively. And then if it was handled in a good way, the client left happy, you left happy, we document it, now it's a part of the experience. But... I actually want to challenge that thinking specifically as it relates to some of the topics that we are discussing right now, because Mm -hmm. how do I want to phrase this? I think that there's a difference in learning as we go Mm -hmm. with things that are not innately harmful to the people that have chosen to be in community with us. And I feel like not all, but a lot of the things that we're alluding to in this conversation would be or could be very harmful to the people who have chosen to be in community with us. And for me, this is like waking something up in me as well to think through, ooh, for my mastermind, do I want to think through amending the contracts that my mastermind clients sign? Because what if something like this comes up? I do want to be able to operate out of a stance of This is the policy. You read this, you signed into this. We can have a discussion, but this is how the company handles this because I have to protect this community that I've built. And yeah, that just gave me a new energy around making sure we can still differentiate that sometimes, yes, we have to fly by the seat of our pants. We have to learn as we go, but some things are truly better to think through proactively because we are in charge of these groups of people and we're supposed to protect them. Right. Exactly. Cause, because that's the thing, like with the, the kind of, I guess, light case study, which I wasn't planning to do, but mm-hmm. it, it worked like with them, they knew for a fact that they wanted to make sure that people of color, those that identified as LGBTQIA plus, whether they identify that way personally or to others, mm-hmm. that they knew that it was a safe space and it was as safe as it could be. Because again, you can't negate everything yeah. because there are some things that unfortunately we have to deal with when they happen because we you really can't be proactive on them. However, they put things in place so that there would not be incidents that would make those individuals feel uncomfortable and go unchecked. And so you do have to, and that's where to me that values piece again comes in because when we look at the inclusivity part, inclus- inclusive of whom? Who are we showing that you can be here and you can be safe? And if that's the case, then it is important to not only say, you know, I'm a white man and I know that women that are black and Asian are safe here. You can't tell me I'm safe. So this is when you do need to get some outside help to be able to evaluate what is it that you are going to miss because your normal does not consider the things that are part of my normal. And so I think it's also important to acknowledge that when we're creating these types of policies, we cannot stay in the echo chamber of people that look, live, and love like us to decide what the parameters are. If I could just like snap all the way through every statement you basically make, I would. Also, I was sitting here contemplating how can I make this episode last for two hours because that's what I want to (laughs) do. Because 
we don't, it doesn't happen often enough. And part of where I'll be honest, I appreciate being able to have this conversation with somebody that looks like me, because there are nuances mm -hmm. that don't always come up with yeah. some of the white male or female business owners, because it's a different conversation. It's a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And so we already know what our frame of reference is. And so we are already going to clearly understand that safety is going to be a necessity and it shows up in multiple ways, physical, right. emotional, spiritual, you know, mental. And so we have a different set of things that need to be considered and bringing that to people when they're building policies and procedures and SOPs for themselves and their team, that's a different frame of reference that needs to be addressed. It definitely does. And I love, I think what I love about you the most, which is not the most, because it's just like, I just love everything you're saying right now. Um, but what I do love is how you make sure to anchor this conversation in tangible action steps, right? Like you talk a lot about how do we weave this stuff through your daily operations? How do we make sure that um, even on social media, what you explicitly say versus what you're just kind of showing. Because there's a lot that we tell people about our values based on the things that we show them on social media. I'm curious, just like the last two minutes, because we're running out of time, but I'm curious just like to hear a little bit about your perspective on weaving it through the very real things that we're doing day in and day out as business owners. So I'm so glad that this, that you said it and that this is where we can wrap up because mm -hmm. sometimes there's this misconception that the types of actions that I'm talking about and possibly some of the things that maybe people processing from you that they think it's about these large scale grandiose types of things. Yeah. And it really does boil down to the small, what may seem to be insignificant actions that you're taking. Using an example of someone that goes on Instagram and they're always reposting in their stories or sometimes in their feed. Do you repost people that are considered experts, but they always look like you? There's no variety. There's no diversity, which then signals that you think that authority figures in industries have to be fill in the blank, white, whatever that is. And so when you are amplifying the messages and the platforms and the voices of others, is there any diversity there? If you look in who you follow, who you're taking in content from, the last 25 things that you liked, was there any diversity there at all? And was it, was it tethered to them having to have a certain amount of followers? Let's acknowledge that too. If you think about when you are shopping and using your money, if you're buying client gifts, or you're buying swag for an event, you're sending something out because you've got a virtual event coming up. Does that reflect your values? What, did it all come from Amazon? Did it come from any you know, small businesses that were of color? Did it come from any startups? Did you support somebody in amplifying their message by giving them your money and sending a signal by voting with your dollars on what matters to you? Where'd you get your coffee from? Where did you get... You know, wh where are you buying from? Where are you spending your capital online with your likes and your attention? When you go to hire, are you hiring from homogenous places? Are you talking to the same people in your network saying, hey, I have a job posting. You're going to keep getting the same thing because you keep doing the same thing. And last time I checked, that's the definition of insanity. I mean, 
say less. Do look, look, look. I have so many thoughts and I just don't, I just can't share all of them. But I think what, what it's boiling down to for me, what I'm taking away from what you're just saying is it's really just about living our values with our everyday decisions. And so if, and hopefully it is, but if we're telling the world that we do value diversity, equity, and inclusion, how are we showing the world that we value diversity, equity, and inclusion? Mm-hmm. Oh, ma'am. Um, y'all, we're just going to like bring her back once a week, even though we only do episodes once a week. That's just where my energy is right now. I don't know about y'all. Y'all let us know when this episode goes live because I'm reposting it everywhere. I love this conversation. Erica, 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 please tell everybody exactly where they can connect with you because I already know so many people are just going to be inspired and I think drawn in by your realism, by your tangible action steps, and just by your spirit and energy, if I'm being honest with you. So tell everybody where they can connect with you, please. Yes, Tiana, I can do that. (laughs) So again, my name is Erica Corday, diversity, equity, and inclusion and how it shows up in life. That is what I do. You can find me online at ericacorday.com. Same on Instagram at Erica Corday. You can listen to me on my podcast, Pause on the Play. And I also do work there. Again, public speaking, talking about DEI. How can we help you with your team? That is pauseontheplay.com. Podcast is Pause on the Play, Apple Podcasts and all the places, Instagram at Pause on the Play. Any of those places you can find me, get at me, talk with me. I promise you, I'm not, I'm not gonna bite you. DEI is, is it does not have to be as complicated as we make it. <laughs> I got you. She got y'all. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, Erica. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you.